world is facing a global sand crisis. Something I didn't actually think I'd read whilst walking around the International Mining and Resources Conference. And I'm here with Bruce Maluish from Ventnor Resources to tell us why that is. Bruce? It is interesting, Philip, and um, it's, it's because of mainly concrete. Um, concrete uses about, you know, 30% of the concrete uses about, you know, uh, uses silica sand. And it's the same silica sand that you reprocess to make the sand that's suitable for glass. Okay. So the concrete uh, industry is using up sand at an incredible rate. For example, to the three years to 2017, China poured as much concrete as the US did last century. And it has taken uh, a lot of the sand out of the market. What alerted me to that market was in 2016, China made silica sand a strategic mineral. So it's in there with uranium and rare earths. And initially when I saw it, I thought, well, yeah, why is that happening? It's, it seems surprising that that would be a commodity that would have to be strictly controlled. And since then, in fact, Indonesia has banned the exports of silica sand. Uh, Cambodia, Vietnam, Malaysia have all banned the exports of silica sands because they understand that uh, their domestic use requires what they've got and they can't afford to have any of it exported. So, uh, you know, that alerted me to the market. I did some research, found a couple of locations in Western Australia that are suitable, um, and we've been working on those uh, since uh, sort of middle of 2016. And a conversation we were having about um, essentially all the sand I've been exposed to by looking at quarrying in Australia has been uh, pulling it out from the sides of riverbeds, uh, basically against in water areas, and, I mean... It's not that good, really. Much better to have a lot of sand in a certain location. Yeah, you, sure. Yeah, it's, beginning, it's, it's getting environmental attention, mm. and quite rightfully so. You know, it doesn't do the rivers any good. Mm. And in fact, uh, Vietnam and Cambodia agreed not to allow dredging in the Mekong River mm. because the banks of the Mekong River were falling in. An awful lot of people live on the banks of the Mekong River. But also, you know, downstream it doesn't help fish and anything else that lives in the river. Mm. So... Slowly but slowly, uh, um, Malaysia is having similar issues. India is having really big issues. There's a huge shortage, and there's a very large percentage of this sand market in India is being conducted illegally. Right, okay. And illegal dredging, a lot at night time. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's becoming an issue in many countries. And I was looking at the com the comments on the wall and thinking to myself, well, you know, if you could count, I grew up being told that if you could count every grain of sand on the earth, there are more stars than that. So I'm like, surely there aren't. There isn't a shortage of sand, but beach sand is not sand is not sand. Exactly. Could you tell us more about that? Well, uh, beach sand is uh, a large portion of is lime or calcium carbonate, mm. and that's from shell grit and marine critters, basically. Mm. So not suitable for uh, making concrete. Uh, even though you need lime in concrete, it's no good in the sand. Mm. And also you need a certain size fraction for uh, construction sand. But you really need sand that has been eroded from generally granites mm. further inland. And, and they're always going to be relatively coastal mm. because that's where the greatest erosion was when the ocean was higher. Mm. So 
the Eocene coastline is the place to go looking for silica sand. And when you say the Eocene coastline, Western Australia coastline, what is Eocene? As it happens, yeah, no, it's uh, the Eocene period was when the ocean was about 60 metres higher than it is now. Mm -hmm. So, and it eroded um, on the, uh, eroded granite outcrops at the time. Um, The ocean receded, the wind's blown them back up into dunes. So they're aeolian or wind-blown dunes. Who would have thought? Mining and geology. Makes me think of a book I read called The Greatest Map in the World about the first geologist who went around hand-documenting the whole of the United Kingdom. Um, It was an amazing book, and I digress slightly. Uh, Sand, silica, glass, solar panels? Yep, sure. Um, uh, The glass cover over a solar panel is a very distinct quality. It has to have a couple of qualities. One, it has to be ultra clear because you don't want to diffract any of the sunlight energy to the PV cells, but it's got to be able to withstand hail. Now, it's got to be very thin, but withstand hail. Most of it's three millimetres. Chinese company now is developing two millimetre glass, but withstanding hail is the the trickiest standard to, uh, to meet. So you need to start off with very high quality sand. And as a company, I believe you're ASX listed. And what's been your journey? This, this is a relatively new initiative, the sand line of things. We floated in 2011 on a copper project. We've been involved in copper and gold exploration for the last few years. But in 2016, I recognised where sand looked to be going. So uh, we acquired a tenement and we uh, applied for more tenements that have got these resources. The the critical components of these resources are, one, it was in the right geology, um, which meant the right sort of sand, but it had to be next to a railway line because it is a bulk commodity and we don't don't want to be building railway lines. And uh, it had to be on what's called vacant crown land in Western Australia. So the only stakeholders we have to deal with are the state and native title. Okay. So... You know, it reduces the number of stakeholders that are involved in the whole process. Yeah. So it allows us to get uh, approvals a lot quicker. Yeah. And how critical is the expansion of port facilities to this project? Don't need expansion at all. They currently have more than enough capacity. There's a couple of iron ore projects uh, are sort of running out of iron ore and they're about to uh, open up more space. But the rail and the ports that we look to be using are all underutilised. So the operators are quite keen to talk to us. Okay. And so as the chairman, director, Ventnor Resources? Managing director. Managing director of Ventnor Resources. um, What would you like the world out there to know about Ventnor Resources? We're ideally placed to to supply into what we think is a looming shortage of silica sand. And we've got, these will be 100-year resources. So it is a matter of establishing uh, markets, and uh, putting the whole project into production. Okay. And what sort of horizon do you see for that? Like uh, return on investment horizon? Very quick. It's, it's mm. a low capital. A mm. uh, two million ton a year plant will be you know fifteen million dollars. Because I think the surprise that the thing that surprised me about this is when we looked at just anecdotally seeing no dewatering required, and basically it seems kind of ready to go. Like, well, what's what don't I understand? Uh, we have to get approvals, mining mm. approvals. Yeah. 
uh, we'll get mining leases in there quickly. But the precursor to mining approvals is undertaking environmental studies. Yeah. We've done desktop, we've done autumn, and we've done springtime studies, which are the critical ones. We've completed all those with a, a, a very high-quality uh, team, and that'll be the substance behind our uh, mining proposals. And also, we're, we're developing a mining rehabilitation technique which utilises all the good bits that other people have been using. Hmm. So uh, we're looking to, to lodge those mining proposals before the end of the year. Beautiful. And just in closing, um, this seems like a res- resource on Australia's doorstep. I know we're getting into you know, carbon fibre technology. What do we need to do to take advantage of this? Or are we really just going to keep digging stuff up and selling overseas because yeah. that's where it's at? We're on the Asian doorstep. Yep. Um, and these will be export to Asia. Surprisingly, Australia has a tiny glass manufacturing industry. We, uh, we manufacture bottles and containers, a lot of wine bottles, yep. uh, but no plate glass. Yep. So uh, that, that's where it's all manufactured in Asia. So we're looking to supply raw materials. It'll be out-and-out export to Asia. And anecdotally, if you go back and have a look at the Waste Expo videos where we were talking with um, the gentleman from Superior Pack about the massive amount of glass stockpiles we now have because China ain't taking our waste, we don't even need to make new glass. We could just be reusing the glass we got. Um, Does that have an impact? Could we chop that stuff down? Um, Surprisingly... I'll keep you to 20 seconds if you don't mind. uh, Surprisingly, not much... Flat, flat glass is recycled. Mm. A reasonable amount in bottles and containers. Yeah. Very little automobile glass is ever uh, recycled. Mm. Um, there's opportunity there to improve on all that. But so far, no. So far. Okay. And you're listing code on the ASX? Yes. Uh, VRX. VRX. Thanks for watching.